This week's episode of the Star Wars Report is brought to you by the good folks supporting us over on patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. Let's do the show, folks. Come, come, come. And who might you be? It's the Star Wars Report. Star Wars Report. Woo! Star Wars Report. The place for Star Wars news, features, interviews, and more. Then we can do something epic. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Please delete as appropriate. The Force. It's calling to you. Just let it in. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Star Wars Report podcast. I'm your host, Riley Blanton. Glad to have you back. As always, welcome. Welcome. Come on in. Uh, broadcasting live from Echo Base, kind of. <laughs> That's. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, trying out some fun stuff for uh, for the live stream edition of the podcast, which is now like a thing we do. So... Uh, Greetings to everybody tuning in live. Greetings to everybody uh, everybody listening to the podcast. We're going to have a great time talking about all things Star Wars, including what everybody's waiting for. No, not analysis of the Vanity Fair piece on Rosario Dawson and Ahsoka's return. No. It's a macaroon update from Bruce Gibson. What's going on, Bruce? Meanwhile, live. Bruce, how's it oh, yeah, going, my man? I'm doing well. I'm very excited to talk Star Wars stuff with you, as I always. I, you know what? So am I. You're <laughs> you're laughing in the pre-show. <laughs> uh, you were like the third person that I texted today. Now you were coming on all along, but I was like, there were like five guests that we were, I was trying to get this week that were that are in the you know, in the pipeline that we're working. We kind of talked about it in in the Rogue transmissions for Patreon, but um, but it's 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 you and me and Star Wars, Bruce. Yes. You know what you need is a producer to help you get guests. <laughs> oh, wait. I, that that was me. Once upon, I kind of... Once upon... And then you went over to Star Trek. My well, gosh. Well, you know, I was starting my own show, and I was like, I can't manage to. That's mm. that's the problem. Mm. Uh, I mean, that's fair. That's fair. That's No, it's, it's funny, because the Echo Bass theme is really something that I came up with uh because i just saw like a cool background so i made all the graphics for the live youtube channel so hey if you're listening to the podcast this is going to be a thing remember when star wars tonight was a thing i did when we had like a new star wars movie i'd be going live like three four times a week every night like around this time yeah Yeah. this time of year but sadly there's no there's no new live movie there's no new edition of star wars tonight however comma uh we are doing the show uh live tuesday nights 8 p.m and I want you to join us. Um, the easiest way to remember it is with the theme of, and it being in the dead of winter, starsreport.com slash echo base. Uh, that takes you directly to my YouTube channel. You can also search for Riley Blanton on YouTube, uh, but we'll just be broadcasting right there on my YouTube channel, channel uh, starsreport.com slash echo base. But enough of that. Let's get into the news. We have something to report. Don't closer, I have good news. Data brought to us by the Botham spies. We can send a clear transmission. There it is. Listen, listen. All right, Bruce, uh, I gotta hear it. What? What's the status of the macaroons? Oh, man. Okay, so on the last show, we talked about these things, the little uh, baby Yoda cookies. Mm-hmm. Well, 
Grogu. No, no, let's talk. Sure we'll talk about that <laughs> Excuse later. me. They're Navarro Nummies? Nummies. Navarro Nummies, sir. Get it right. That's it. Navarro Nummies. So I was like, who would order these? They're like 50 bucks for 12. I mean, I, and then like I thought, well, my wife really loved that scene with Grogu eating the cookies. And I mm. thought maybe this would be cute to give her that as a Christmas gift and have it under the tree. And then Christmas morning, she would open it up. Yep. And there would be these little baby Yoda cookies, the mm-hmm. little blue cookies in a Mandalorian, you know, mm-hmm. box or container of some type. And I thought she'd really enjoy it. And then we would eat them. And so I was so proud of it that the next day I told my daughters and my oldest daughter said, aren't those made with like some kind of nut flour or something? And I looked at the ingredients oh, no. and it's almond flour. Oh. And my wife is allergic to almonds. <laughs> no. Mm. No. And I'm like, oh, crap. I wonder if she'll eat. I'm like, well, she's not like it's not a serious allergy. I mean, she. so I was like, maybe she could still <laughs> eat these. I don't know. So then she was at work. So at lunchtime, I talked to her and I didn't tell her what it was, but I just said, um, I, I think I told her there was something I was looking to order for some food items that mm. had almond flour. And she's like, well, I've kind of tried it before, tried almond flour before. Yeah, I think I wouldn't eat anything with almond flour now. So I called Williams Sonoma to cancel it. <laughs> and of course, Uh-oh. I can't cancel it because once you do a food item through them, it's a final sale. Mm. They you can't cancel. Um, and I said, "Well, it hasn't shipped yet." That's I understand I can't return it, but it hasn't even shipped yet. And they're like, "No, because mm. the way they do the food, whatever." And then I got a notice like another day or two later that it is shipped. It's on you're its stuck. way. You're stuck. Su- you're stuck with them. Well, Bruce, let me just say, that's <laughs> It's pretty ridiculous. It is. I mean, and then I thought, well, maybe I'll give them to you. But then I thought about it more, and I thought, but I kind of want to eat them myself. Mm, well, <laughs> but exactly. do I give my wife food that mm. I eat and she doesn't for Christmas? That doesn't make sense. That's that. See, yeah, that would make no. That would make sense. It's it, this is purely now the realm of the Star Wars report, where you will do a live taste test. And let me just again. Just just to frame nicely what you did last week. You were on the podcast, and for giggles, uh, you went to the William Sonoma website and spent sixty something dollars with shipping. Yes, shipping to purchase Baby Yoda themed macaroons, the Navarro nummies. Just because I peer pressured you into doing it. Well, no, you didn't really peer pressure no. me. I was just like, "Why? Mm. This is ridiculous!" And as you start talking through it more, mm. and just I read the know. description. I read the description on William Sonoma, which was yeah. sounded delicious. Which yeah. is why my wife ordered a set <laughs> for me. I hope you're not allergic to almonds. I am not allergic to almonds, so I am now standing by waiting. And we know we don't have to wait till Christmas. Now we will. We can do a live taste test of the Navarro Nummies. This is the most built up. <laughs> but we'll do it. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to have it and and I have to Savannah literally overheard me talking about it on the podcast. Uh, and and she ordered a set. So listen. She's so I ha- smart. I have a wonderful beautiful wife who ordered you me do. Navarro nummies for the Christmas season. Uh, it's a thing. It's a thing. We're going to do it next it's week. I can't wait. Oh, and you know what? I just thought about it cuz my wife has uh, a Grogu little 
baby Yoda that mm-hmm. sleeps in the bed with her because I don't. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other thing <laughs> because of COVID. Anyway, um, I just realized for Christmas, I'll put it under the tree and I'll say uh, to Grogu mm-hmm. on the package, but I'll have her open it. So that way I didn't say, I didn't get it for you because you can't eat the almond cookies. You know, the almond yep. flour, the cookies, I got it for Grogu. Oh, but wait, he's not real. I guess I'll have to eat them. Mm. And I'll do it on the Star Wars report. And my wife will say, that's a fabulous idea. That's There you go. See, I like how you're thinking. I like how you're thinking. Ah, uh, yes. See, yeah. I'm a great husband. I like. <laughs> I also like and how we producer. both feel comfortable in making these plans because we, we both know that our wives do not listen to the podcast. That's right. My <laughs> wife has never listened to a podcast with me on it. <laughs> well, no, that's not true. But it's in the last couple of years, for sure, yeah, she hasn't. Yeah, that's true. All right, let's talk Mandalorian. Mr. Bruce. Uh, so I actually, this is the first time on the podcast that we've had a, the opportunity to talk about the most recent episode, The Jedi, of which there will be spoilers about The Jedi. I'm no Jedi. No, she is a Jedi. Well, kind of. Is she? Maybe. Is she? Ahsoka is she? Tano. She's, a, she's uh, always a Jedi in spirit. Right? She's a Jedi in our hearts. Um, there's this incredible piece. We're going to have a link to it in the show notes um, by the one and only Anthony Bresnikan. Uh, of Vanity Fair. And uh, he's been connected to Star Wars and Star Wars journalism for for a long time. He's been on the show before. Uh, Great dude. And he, this is unlike your typical press interviews that happen with a new season launch where it's just canned questions and answers. And it's just like, what was it like playing the Mandalorian? Do you like macaroons? Uh, I don't know. It's 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 usually not the greatest discourse when it comes to entertainment journalism. I'll be as as the person guilty of that kind of five minute presser interview. I've been at those press conferences. Um, you're not going to get great information. The Bresnikin does get great information, and he digs into it. So I thought the best way that we can talk about this episode is from through the lens of this Vanity Fair piece. And if you haven't read it, uh, read it. The links are going to be in the notes to the podcast. Um, but um, he, he, I, I can't think of a better way to, to, kick up, to kick this off other than just read the opening. Um, Star Wars fans have likely all seen the photo of George Lucas on the set of The Mandalorian, cradling Baby Yoda like a proud grandfather. But there is something about that slightly blurry snapshot that they didn't know. Just out of frame stood another beloved galactic figure who until then had only existed in animation, Rosario Dawson, as Ahsoka Tano. Um, which I had no idea, but that was uh, his, his, that set photo from season two, which I'd briefly seen here and there online, but I, I forgot that it was for season two. I thought it was a season one. So George is still having a good time just hanging out on the set of Mandalorian. Uh, it's pretty cute. Pretty cute. Maybe you know. Yeah. You should probably, I, you need to name him Grogu. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe George did. Actually, it does sound like a George Lucas name. He was famous for naming characters after random funny words that his kids would say. Um, I think Jar Jar was, was that as well. But um, I've pulled a few quotes from it. And, and when it comes to Ahsoka's reappearance and the way, uh, Rosario Dawson was cast. She says, I'd seen some of Clone Wars once I got the role, and I actually went and started watching everything in order. 
I started seeing a lot of more connective tissue. There's always that conversation around Ahsoka leaving the order and being a major trigger and that being a trigger for Anakin going towards the dark side. Was it just, it was just really incredible that the character started off as a teenager, you know, and Filoni said, um, mini tests were done, screen tests. Oh, no, that's about the, the, um, I pulled some stuff cause about the sort of visual language for Ahsoka, but uh, Bruce, uh, let me ask you. Rosario Dawson's talking about how um, she never had she she got the opportunity to jump in, watch all the episodes. It really jumped out to her. Ahsoka leaving the Jedi Order. Uh, what did you think of the return of Ahsoka? Well, first of all, the way she got this part was just through Twitter and tweeting that she wants to do it. <laughs> and Dave Filoni's like, eh, maybe that would work. And mm-hmm. I'm that was. A- terrible dave by the way no nailed it but, nailed it right on the money but the, the thing is i'm like i need to start tweeting that i need to be in star wars and maybe dave will go yeah that that might not work but um <laughs> but yeah i like the return of ahsoka yeah i mean i mean we kind of knew it was coming and sure. because dave was writing this episode that and was the big tip this off. episode that was the tip that off. Was, that was it. So when I sat down to watch it with my wife, I keep talking about my wife a lot in this episode. She should love me forever. <laughs> and the thing is, I, I said to her, I said, you know what? I think we'll see, we're going to see Ahsoka in this episode because mm. Dave wrote and directed this one. And as soon as I hit play, you see Ahsoka in like the first five seconds. I'm like, well, we didn't have to wait long for that. But I, I mean, I, I think some people didn't care for it. But it's a little odd because you're so used to seeing her in animation. Yeah, and of course she doesn't look, or she doesn't sound exactly like Ashley Eckstein, and no. she doesn't look exactly like the animated character. I mean, you can get as close as you can get, but I also point out that this is an older Ahsoka. This is a changed Ahsoka. She's gone through different things in her life. She's not the same Ahsoka we saw in Rebels, which was the last time we saw her. And not that's counting a- the last episode, whatever, because, you know, Dave is, well, that comes later. I'm going to say that. Yeah, yeah, because the timeline, it's interesting. Dave actually is a little little sketchy about that for a second. But that honestly, I struggled with that a little bit of just, there. for me, it was a jarring experience in a way that I'm kind of surprised that I was uh, as, as uh, that there was that disconnect that I experienced for her translating to the uh, big, well, I guess, to the TV screen, to the live action screen. But there was, I, I didn't, um, her character didn't immediately connect with me in the way that I expected her to. And I think that transition out of animation and that transition to a different Ahsoka of a different time definitely um, made that experience more jarring for me. And I, I, I think I've come around to accept it more than from when I first watched the episode. Because there was a little part of me is like, this is this this isn't ahsoka is this ahsoka where's the it's not that she can't be more dramatic but she was so stoic she was straight up mace windu level stoic and i'm like what happened to the ahsoka i know who was it's not that she was all i'm not talking about like season one sunny sky guy ahsoka but i'm she even season seven clone war she's in touch with um, her emotions and with the way that she, the tragedy she experiences, seeing Anakin fall in season seven of the Clone Wars. I mean, come on. Um, and the and the tragedy she experiences in Rebels when she like smashes off, confronts Vader, smashes off that little half of his helmet. It's it's a that's a very emotive character, and I just didn't see that in this episode. She was kind of muted. 
Well, that's what happens now. When you get older in Star Wars, you're grumpy. You just hang out on an island or now in her case, she's grumpy and hanging out in a dead forest. So Luke and Ahsoka, <laughs> I mean, no. Yeah. No, but that's the thing. I mean, the characters changed. But I think I was also more accepting of her because Dave Filoni did write and direct this episode. And, of course, he knows Ahsoka better than anyone. Yeah. Had it been somebody different writing and directing this, I probably would have watched it and go, I wonder, I don't know if they got her qu- quite right. I don't know if they really quite understand Ahsoka quite yeah. right. But but because he was behind it, I was like, okay, I'm accepting of this because he knows better than I do. So this is Ahsoka. So I went in accepting right away that what I'm going to get is going to make sense. Yeah, yeah. And there's a, the visual contrast is not what I minded. It was that characterization that right. that that surprised me but it in some ways it makes sense it tells me that there's more to that story and i'm i'm definitely open and willing to hear it i i, I kind of am curious how that's going to how that's going to play out for her character and and what happened since we last saw her in rebels um to to make her this way because she's almost become and i can see why this episode's called the jedi she's she's almost reflected the traditional jedi order the he's you know he's too old to complete the training right he's too in touch with his emotions i thought really the one of the whole points of the original trilogy was how um luke's connection with his father is what ended up saving him and in fact it was his that that family emotional connection which the old jedi code would have said was baggage and which ahsoka point blank says is baggage for baby yoda for grogu um, baby Grogu. <laughs> there it is, folks. There it is. It was um, I don't know. It was one of those things that I I I'm not sure how 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 well that survives this era because we're we're in a post Return of the Jedi Star World of Star Wars. It just seems like Ahsoka doesn't know. I guess how would she? No. Yeah. No. I don't think she does know. Yeah. Well, uh, let's jump back to Filoni. Um, and, uh, Bresnikan asked him, um, uh, fans have watched Ahsoka grow up in the Clone Wars. They've seen her go off on her own, seen her fighting as a lone wolf in Rebels. What did you want to reveal about her at this point, much later in her life? Uh, Filoni said she is, uh, for lack, lack of a term, a master because she's largely an, an independent at this point. I play her as, much more knowledge, as a much more knowledgeable knight. A wandering samurai character is what she is really at this point. I've made comparisons towards her heading to the Gandalf stage, where uh, she is the one that has the knowledge of the world and can help others through it. And I think she's reached that point. Ahsoka the White, Gandalf, does it work for you? Yes. (laughs) Easy. (laughs) I, you know, I will say that I was a little disappointed, though, because I, I really wanted to see her more of the Ahsoka the White or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But she's not there yet, you know? Um, yeah. But no, I'm, I, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 like, I like the place they're putting her in because she does feel like a wise old Jedi to me in this. And I think um, that part worked. The idea of her having insight not only into Grogu's past, but his future. And, and how about that? Like the idea of what Baby Yoda's gone through. We, we actually learned uh, 
I don't know, we learned a bit more about his his past. And I and I think I'm glad that they kind of explained that and didn't keep stringing us along for a long time about um his hesitance, but it would make sense that um little Grogu might have some you know, PTSD from him being stolen away from the temple. Did he witness the acts of the newly minted Darth Vader? Yes. Well, yeah, he may have, because you're right. He was in the temple during the attack, mm-hmm. uh, and he was hidden away. And he's small enough to hide away. I mean, I, I, I just picture them putting him in a locker, like in the fitness room or something. <laughs> and... <laughs> And uh, then somebody finds him and takes him away later. And, and who knows what happened after he left the temple. But what I found interesting was the comment that he was brought to the temple. He hmm. was found and brought to the temple initially when he was found that he was strong with the force, which to me indicates that he is not the child of Yoda and Yaddle or any other <laughs> green-eared person <laughs> it's not you know yeah hmm. because there's been speculation of that or is he a clone i've heard that which makes more sense to me with the direction that they've gone of drawing his blood and like um bringing that that part in and and, and connecting him to like his force abilities um being why the empire is experimenting with him and and ah oh, i love that sort of dark science element the idea of him being at the center of palpatine trying to resurrect himself in one of the many failed attempts like that that to me is is awesome yeah so i'm really wanting to hear more of the backstory behind you know how how was he found and is there some connection to Yoda? And then even when he's in the temple, I mean, that's the one thing we know for sure is Yoda is aware of Grogu. I would assume if they were in the temple together, they knew each other, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't think they hid him away from Yoda. Like, don't tell Master Yoda we've got this guy here. <laughs> you know, he'll he'll become his pet, you know, he'll become his favorite student. And, you mm. know, but I just like to picture the idea of Yoda sitting there with Grogu and going, mm, Grogu how grown you look and <laughs> you know like <laughs> yeah. that's just like calling for a lego movie right there <laughs> gosh <laughs> oh lord yeah no i i think that's honestly the most what uh, ironically ahsoka's introduction didn't really tell us much about her motivation other than the fact that she's hunting down thrawn which by the way let me just drop that bomb real quick um uh, that is not a name I expected to hear in the Mandalorian series. No, me either. Not at all. <laughs> then my my brain started working overtime like, oh, who are they going to cast to play Thrawn? But I don't even know if we'll see Thrawn in the Mandalorian, mm. a live action Thrawn. I don't know if they're setting this up for another series. Oh, it's got to be another series. I'm sure that's what this is. That's the Ahsoka yeah. series right there. Ahsoka hunting down Thrawn. That, yeah. Listen, make no mistake. That's what this episode was. It was definitely a soft launch. Uh, a backdoor pilot in the old TV uh, adage to to launch uh, the other Ahsoka spinoff series. That's definitely a thing that was happening. Yeah, because I bet Filoni goes to Favreau and says, hey, I want to work Ahsoka into the Mandalorian. And Favreau's like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, h- how can we do that? And Filoni's like, just let me do this because I want to create my own series. I'm looking for job security. Yeah. <laughs> and Favreau's like, yeah, well, I'm not going to do The Mandalorian forever, so sure. And then you have another series to work on when I leave, and then you're 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 here working for several more years. How many so, freaking 
Disney Plus series can they have in the works? Kenobi Not and enough. <laughs> well, because uh, you know, going back again, of course, that I'm a big Star Trek fan. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's almost how I felt with uh, CBS All Access, which is re- going to be rebranded Paramount Plus, by the way. Mm. Uh, but you know, we've got Discovery going on. Yeah, Picard. Lower Decks, they're uh, getting ready to shoot in a couple months, Strange New Worlds. I mean, that's four right there that are actively being produced. Oh, and they have something called Short Tracks. And it's like, and they keep adding more and more and more. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, if they can do this with Star Trek, they can certainly do this with Star Wars. To the point that we're watching a season of The Mandalorian, as soon as that's done, you're going into the Cassian Endor series or whatever series. That, you know, once one stops, another one starts. That we could have new star wars every week for a whole year jeez yeah no i i i'm not opposed to that although i think i think the bandwidth the ideal pace would be two series a year one that airs in spring one that airs in fall i think that'd and be then, that'd and be then good a tempo. little something sprinkled in between yeah like the lego star wars holiday special <laughs> right like stuff like that which is a masterpiece amen amen um <laughs> In fact, we're doing a, a scene by scene breakdown. I, no, I'm kidding. We 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 probably could though, actually. Um, yeah. Well, the the other element of the whole Ahsoka bringing it back to Ahsoka a little bit was um, her legacy as a character, which I think her appearance in this episode tells us what her legacy is and and what her impact has been in the fan community. And when you think about um, Ahsoka as a character, you can't really separate that from Ashley Eckstein. Like mm. she became. Ahsoka and 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 Rosario in the interview did actually talk about that. She said Ashley did a remarkable job. You've seen uh, this character uh, first come into our hearts and mind as a teenager and evolve, and Ashley has been there the entire way, seeing how her voice changed, how her energy changed, and to hear the maturity develop in her was just so powerful and beautiful. I studied it like crazy and tried my best to honor that, and it was just incredible to be able to have such an in-depth perf- uh, performance to source. So it's it's interesting because I it re- that that quote reminds me of the Ewan McGregor quote in the making of uh, the Phantom Menace when he's talking about how he studied all of the Alec Guinness lines um, to to get all the movements right. That business on Cato Nemoidia doesn't doesn't count. Like he would try to those little words that Alec Guinness would repeat. He would try to capture Alec Guinness's performance but make a new version of it. And and so here. Rosario Dawson's definitely giving tipping the hat as as well she should and and I wouldn't expect anything else obviously with someone like Ashley Eckstein who's been a a, a pillar in the Star Wars community and it, and probably honestly the best ambassador that Star Wars has had since the end of Revenge of the Sith honestly like for the current era of fandom with her universe and everything that Ashley Eckstein's done. Um, I can't think of a, a more positive force in fandom. And so that's the shoes you're filling. And so it's interesting to see um, Ashley herself, Bruce, and I was going to kind of get your response to this, uh, posted on her Instagram. Because I saw, listen, I saw unhappy people. I saw people who were not, I thought this was a miss, that she didn't get the tone right. That, that I mean, ironically, that Dave Filoni, who cre- you know, helped create the character, but like didn't get the tone right, that they missed... Um, they stepped to bat and they, they whiffed it, but, um, Ashley weighed in on it herself. And I think part of that was, there was a lot of support for her and how she should have been at least the voice or maybe even the live action performance. Um, but she said, um, 
Here's what she said. I won't read the whole thing. We'll have a link to it in the show notes. But to understand Ahsoka Tano is to understand what she means to people. Millions of people are meeting Ahsoka for the first time after watching her in The Mandalorian. I'm excited them, for them to hopefully go back and watch the journey in The Clone Wars and Rebels. Millions of fans already knew Ahsoka and her presence has come to mean more than them than words in a script. Uh, Ahsoka has become a beacon of hope, light, and genuine goodness. Everyone's relationship with Ahsoka is very different because she triggers the memory from a certain point in the person's life uh, where she's inspired them. And even in the darkest of times, Ahsoka brings joy, and that's what truly matters. Ahsoka's taught us you don't need to carry a sword to be powerful. And Dave Filoni reminded me that kindness is powerful. And after 12 years, and hopefully many more to come, of having Ahsoka in our uh, lives, hashtag Ahsoka lives in all of us now. I'm blown away by everyone's kindness. I've read all of your messages, DMs, comments, text messages, and emails to say thank you. does not even feel adequate enough to express what your kind words mean to me. Um, it's my wish that Ahsoka continues to bring people joy, light, and most importantly, hope. Uh, this is the way of Ahsoka Tano. Uh, classy. I mean, Rosario Dawson actually commented on that post and said, thank you forever for your brilliance, Ashley. I'm so honored to be a part of Ahsoka's legacy along with you. Uh, hashtag Ahsoka lives in all of us. But I think, honestly, I, I think there's a, there's a sadness. I th- if you're somebody like Ashley Eckstein, understanding that it, how she let off that segment, that millions of people are going to be introduced to Ahsoka, not through the 12 years that she's portrayed the character, but through a very different lens. And that's got to be tough. That's got to be, that's got to be a tough um, sell. And I, I really hope that for me personally, that Ahsoka's journey is develops a little bit more and, and connects more to where she came from in the Clone Wars. Um, I don't know if that's, I don't know if I'm just being a being all nostalgic for the Clone Wars and I just miss it too much. But for me, I think there's work to be done there. And I, I, I liked the episode. I liked Ahsoka. I liked Rosario Dawson's performance and I thought she did so many things spot on. Um, but what we saw was a very, very stoic, even seemingly beaten down Ahsoka. Um, and, uh, and, and to me the, the characterization left a little bit to be desired just in the contrast of, of what the characters come to mean to me to say nothing of. And I think this is what Ashley's talking about. Like if you grew up and you were, you know, 12, 13 year old girl watching clone wars when it first came out and now 12 years later, you know, you're in your late twenties, early thirties, like this character may have brought you into star Wars I meant more to you than uh, Luke Skywalker meant to people watching A New Hope for the first time in 77. So I, th- I think that's there's a recognition of, I think there's a lot of outpouring of fan support and a lot of fan support for like, hey, why were you not part of this project? And I can understand that. I If I were, okay, so there's so much I'm <laughs> thinking about Ashley because... <sighs> When I read this article and Dave was saying how he considered the idea of doing a live action Ahsoka, that Rosario Dawson was one of the first people he thought of and he was playing with the idea. He never once in the article, you know, that he thought about Ashley, but and maybe he isn't right to say that, but you do have to wonder, did they even consider using Ashley? I mean, she is an actress. I remember when she was in the Brady Bunch at the White House uh-huh. where she played Jan Brady. <laughs> That's not saying a lot. But um, yeah, 
I don't know. I just, I guess I wonder how she feels about this. Cause I know earlier, I think it was in the summer or whatever, where we got the rumor about Ahsoka coming back and she wasn't going to play her. And she said, I don't know. No one said anything to me. And she said, I remember know, that. Wish, yeah. Yeah. Dave had w- reached out to her and kind of given her the heads up about yeah. it. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know Ashley personally, so I, you know, it, it, I, you know, I don't really know and care that much about sure. how she feels about this because I really don't know where she feels about it. But I would feel bad if she's been hurt by this because of everything we just said. Twelve years of developing this character. I mean, they should have at least talked to her, considered her, and and explained to her. We didn't go in this direction with you because blah blah blah, blah. and yeah. she probably wouldn't have been okay with it. But I, I don't know how the situation was handled. But from what she said earlier this summer, just made me wonder. Yeah, and the fact that Dave doesn't really talk about that in this article. Yeah, I I, you know. I, I smell something. Just you know, a little something. Yeah, there's yeah, just, a little something. There's something there. There's something there. Um, all well, right. and Ashley didn't even say. You said in Instagram she didn't call out Rosario Rosario yeah. Dawson and say what a terrific job she did and congratulations on the part. That is true. A uh, emphasis by omission. I don't know. I I I. Rosario definitely commented on the post, though. <laughs> yeah, and made a comment about thank you so much for all you've done, Ashley. Yeah, and Ashley didn't reply back. I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, she's probably hurt by it. I I could see something like that. I think she did reply something nice back, but I, I it's just one of those things where, um, I think sometimes. If you're the producer elements, the John Favreau's or even the Kathleen Kennedy's, so you, you forget as you're probably zoned in on creating the man, the story of this season of Mandalorian, and you can kind of forget the weight of what's happened in the of, in fandom the last you know twelve years. Ahsoka's Ahsoka's represented a lot in the last twelve years, um, and, and so has Ashley. So I think that's one of those things that sometimes gets lost in the shuffle. I'll finish it off with this last little segment from um, from the article. Um, the quest we learn, this is from Anthony Bresnikin, is to search for the uh, villain Grand Admiral Thrawn. The last time fans saw Ahsoka was in, the spring, was in this spring's finale of Clone Wars, but in Star Wars chronology, the last time we saw her was at the end of Rebels, venturing off with Sabine Wren to find Ezra Bridger, who vanished along with Thrawn. Where does that scene fit with where we find her in The Mandalorian? And uh, Felony says, right, but no, it's an interesting one. That's not necessarily chronological. Eh, not necessarily. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't. Um, I think the thing is, um, uh, most people will not understand is that they want to go in a linear fashion. But as we learned as a kid, nothing in Star Wars really works in a linear fashion. You've got four, five, six, and one, two, three. So in the vein of that history, when you look at the epilogue of Rebels, you don't really know how much time has passed. So it's possible that the story I'm telling in The Mandalorian actually takes place prior to that scene possible i'm saying it's possible that's what he I'm said saying it's possible well, okay so dave let me ask you this if you're saying it's possible why not just say it like why not just say it is i mean because do you not know they're allergic to locking themselves into to a timeline he doesn't want to I do guess. that I, and i totally get it I, i'm with him on that i assumed that that scene from rebels took place after this i just assumed it yeah because she's not the the white the soak Soka, of the white whatever yeah. it is you know <laughs> the the white angel yeah <laughs> you know mm. and uh so i just made that assumption when i watched it yeah but i i mean it doesn't 
in some ways it doesn't matter because, and this is what's so great about it. I'm kind of glad he's not specific about it because I love people using their thoughts and imagination of trying to figure out. Yeah. It kind of creates that mystery of like, ooh, well, does it take place? You know, maybe one day we'll find out. And you're just always itching for more. So I love that you know, itching for more information thing. Yeah, don't no, give it all to me on the silver. Platter. No, no, and uh, that's especially not on like a interview or on social media or something like that. Um, right. Yeah. No, I'm 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 totally with you. I'm totally with you. Well, right. well, uh, I'm excited for the for the next episode coming up here in just a few days. We'll get to the next episode of Mandalorian, and we'll probably be talking about it again here on the Star Wars Report. Um, I do want to touch this one other story before we go into Boba's bounty. Uh, and that's just like a, a little tribute of sorts to uh, Dave Prowse. He passed away age 85. Of course, the original actor who portrayed Darth Vader. Um, not the voice, but the towering mass, the movements, the force choking, the uh, intimidation, the greatest entrance of a villain in screen history. Um, Dave Prowse. He's from Bristol. He's a bodyweight builder. Um, but Darth Vader, definitely his most famous role. He had roles in and out, of throughout, uh, uh, you know, his Hollywood career, but, um, it's, it's another example, Bruce. I just wanted to pay a little bit of tribute to him and, and, and tell you a little story. I'm not sure if I've ever told you this, Bruce. I, I met him one time, uh, at Dragon Con of all places. It, I think this would have been 2013, maybe 2012, somewhere in there. Um, but I remember, um... Uh, it was at the, like the Hall of Fame where everybody's at their table signing, and and his line had gone down, and he uh, so he didn't have anybody at his at his table, and and it was actually at the end of the day. I just completed some interviews. I was kind of in work mode. I was ready to go back and get them edited and that sort of thing, but I, and I didn't have anything scheduled with him or his agent. But I saw him there, and and this honestly not in a morbid way but in just kind of like a a realization way i I realized that a lot of the original trilogy actors have have gotten up in age and and that's the thought that occurred to me right then and there and i said and i and 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 he you know it's the end of a long day and i think it was towards the end of the convention too um i didn't want to be that guy and bother him and there's that little part of me right as i started to like turn around and just walk away it's like yeah i don't want to bother him Maybe I'll get another chance to interview him or maybe, you know, get his autograph or something like that at a convention down the road. But there's just a little part of me that I said, no, no, I, I should take this chance since no one was around. I didn't want to bother him. So I briefly walked up to the table and just said, hey, sir, I just, uh, wanted to say hi and that, you know, stars means a lot to me and, 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 and it's really cool to I just want to come meet you and shake your hand uh, if that's okay. And he's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, it, was, it was just a brief, brief exchange. He just nodded and shook my hand and said, thanks very much. It was very kind. Um, and then I just went on my way. But I, I, the, as I left, I, there's a little part of me that I was like, I just got to shake, you know, Darth Vader's hand. You know, Dave Prowse, yeah. he had a long career, a very a wonderful life. In fact, he, um, I forget what it was called. I was reading about it. He was, um, he he promoted the uh, the he's the Green Cross Code Man, the green for for the um, that's right UK like uh, public transportation, uh, yes. and he, and he would go around to schools and he had like this huge career um, helping kids uh, 
you know, memorize the green crosswalk code, which I don't know. I'm sure if I grew up in Great Britain, I might know it. Um, but like that was a big part of his his career. It's just a seems like a really nice guy, and 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 another example as as we you know go through the years that the creators of of the original trilogy are are not getting any younger. And um, I just want to tip my hat and say, may the force be with you, uh, Mister Dave Prowse. Mm. Did you ever get to meet him, Bruce? Yeah, he told me to bug off. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I never met him. I, I don't think I've met. No, I don't think I met him. I, if I recall, I think I did see him at a convention once, like at a autograph table, and I walked by, and that's like yeah. It. So no, I haven't met him. I didn't shake his hand. Nothing like that, unfortunately. No. Yeah. Well, it's 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 sad. I, I know it's uh, Peter Mayhew, Kenny Baker, um, Carrie Fisher. Now it's it's. Um, it's just, I guess, I, I don't want to. I don't, sorry, I didn't mean to bring down the podcast and be all morbid or anything. But it is. It's just one of those things that I think next year should conventions be a thing again. Um, I'm definitely going to be doing my best to meet and and talk to and and just get a chance to get some of the story from these guys. Maybe maybe not even just for the podcast here, but just to kind of get that exposure. I think that would be really, really, really cool. Yeah, I think the the most surreal thing for me was at uh, it was at Star Wars Celebration in 2017 in London when we were there. Uh, Kenny Baker, because mm. I took my daughter to see him. Yeah, and he was r- really slow, really kind of zoning out. He didn't talk. He didn't say a word. He just didn't seem like he was all there. And my daughter said, you know, dad is, you know, after we left, she says, is he, he didn't talk. He, is he okay? And I said, I, I don't know. He doesn't s- seem well. And it was like three weeks later, he passed away. Mm, so yeah. that was kind of an odd thing. You know, that's a yeah. memory that you know, I never met the man before until then. So I was yeah. kind of lucky to get it, to meet him just before his death. Yeah. And I think it's important to, to recognize that like the people that, made this these these films that we love so much that mean so much to us are just that they're people and they have their own stories and i i i really hope that um and maybe there's this documentary that i've heard called elstree studios that i think interviews a lot of the guys that worked on the original star wars and maybe that'll be something that would be cool to dig back into and um but it's i i i i definitely want to commit to getting um what pieces of history I can from these guys that, that were a part of this story. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll lighten it up. We're going to, we're going to talk about, uh, our Boba's bounty in the next segment, which surprise, surprise, it's a, uh, it's a star Wars comic. It's worth a lot to me. As you wish. All right. You know it. It's Boba's bounty time. Uh, something that we read, it's a comic book that we read in the world of Star Wars because that's what Boba's Bounty is these days. I'm holding it right here. Darth Vader, the brand new series, trade paperback, Dark Heart of the Sith just came out and uh, I read it. And then I texted you, Bruce, and I said, you should read it. And then you read it. <laughs> and I, I read it, yeah. Look at that crazy uh what did you think uh uh, unlike last time you just surprised me that you had read the whole thing what did you think of uh dark heart of the sith and had you read the other vader comics 
I have read some of the other Vader comics, but not all. Yeah. Uh, this one, I mean, I, I think I, I liked it. I yeah. don't know. I just I wasn't all into the whole journey that Vader is taking to find what happened to Padme or who raised pa- Padme or who who took Padme's body to mm. wherever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was okay. I mean, it was fine. It was just something I never really wondered about. So it was really interesting to think that Vader, right after his confrontation with Luke in The Empire Strikes Back, would use that as the opportunity to find out, okay, well, how did Luke even get here? So what happened to Padme? Mm. And I think after all these years, he decided to use that moment because he was looking at it as, why is Luke so weak? Who Uh, raised him? Ah, you know, and that's what triggered him to find about. So it it was interesting. It really yeah. it was interesting. We'll to get see into what happened. To yeah, him. we'll yeah. get into mild spoilers on it. Nothing too crazy, but I think yeah. it's interesting. The, this whole uh, series of issues for me, what made it? I don't know. Uh, I usually am most excited when the comics closely tie into the films. And it doesn't get much closer than this these series of issues where they're literally intercutting between moments in the films, you know, that Vader remembers versus um, what that journey of discovering what happened to Lu- Padme and therefore what happened to Luke. And and he the, he follows the journey, Tatooine to Naboo to freaking Polis Massa. Uh, and it was interesting. We get to see like the, the, the remnants uh, on Naboo. They call themselves the Amidalans. <laughs> which um, i thought was kind of funny <laughs> that was kind of cool uh we get to see vader kicking butt but we get to see uh and this is one thing that i've i've heard about the series that i actually i dismissed at first i was like ah there's no way and then i read it and i thought this criticism was kind of fair I'd, I'd heard about the, the the comic series where vader is a little bit um it vader is he's not vader <laughs> He's not okay, that, he's that's not very kinda, Vader. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I, I think I, that gets back to what I'm saying, like his journey of going to find her, because he didn't seem like himself in this. Yeah, he didn't, and I, that was the point of the story. I'm not. I I, I don't right. think that was inadvertent, but like to see Vader like confronting was it Dorme? I forget which handmaiden was like. Oh, she looks just like Padme. That's crazy. Sabe. That's oh Sabe. Um, and he's like, oh, it's just uh, where's Padme? Oh, you know, you look just like my wife who I choked to death, and I'm Vader. And it was weird. It was weird. It was, <laughs> it was a little weird. Although I have to say that was one of my favorite parts was when we see her, and it's like, oh my gosh, it's Padme. I was like, okay, obviously this isn't Padme. And it's an older Padme. It's like, they're not saying Padme didn't really die, right? Come on, they're not doing that. There's got to be something going on. And then come to find out that, oh, no, it's one of her decoys, one of her handmaidens. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, now that's pretty cool. And then we get to see the others later. Yeah, we do. And and, and I liked that. I actually liked the droid sidekick. <laughs> that was pretty yeah. amazing. Um, I, I thought that that was a pretty good... Um, a pretty good bit and i liked the flashbacks that connected to it but it was it was a very it was a vulnerable and weakened vader that yes. um by confronting his past um we 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 saw a torn vader that was not torn about his son but he was torn about padme and he's still locked into the past and i feel like that was something that uh, certainly vader was 
there was ve- there was still good in him. Padme said it, and I, and I think that's true. I think she she was right in that moment of the story, and I think that's what Lucas was telling us, was Vader, even in, at his worst, was never completely the villain. Um, but at the same time, this this Vader... Uh, I always, and this is this the problem in my imagination, for, at least for me, when I think about Vader in between episodes um, three and four, in this case between episodes five and six, it it it's it feels weird to see a vulnerable, weekend questioning Vader instead of one that has. I was kind of waiting for the moment for him to just like slaughter everybody because that's what Vader does at this time. Um. And to some degree, he does when he confronts the Amidalans. Um But I, it was, it was weird. It was, it was weird because and, he I, and rem- well, he kind of reminded me of how he was with Luke on Endor on the moon of Endor, which Endor may- when they were talking. Yeah, and maybe that was it. Maybe it was too similar to the Return of the Jedi um, storyline where Vader discovers his own his own weakness as he would have seen it at first really like even in the comic when he he's like how is luke so freaking weak it's my son he should be like a badass and he's and he's not he's just this farm boy what happened it destroyed him on bespin he was such a loser he just jumped off um but that's the point is vader didn't realize that luke's decision to you know die rather than join his father was actually a great sign of strength not a sign of um weakness and that's very poetic and i and i actually liked that story it just seemed a little bit odd in the context of him confronting all of padme's uh handmaidens and and seeing captain typho fighting confronting vader was was it was it was weird it was real weird yeah it was a little weird but although the moment you know the moment that it slightly went off the rails for me i'll be honest i was kind of rolling with it until rico lee shows up (laughs) And that was when I was like, really? <laughs> yeah, which he kills. I know, right? Not Rico which Lee. Spoiler alert. Rico yeah. Lee. Uh, That's crazy. But you it. know, the, here, here's the thing I, I really wonder. As he goes through this, we're going through this journey with him. He's finding out all these answers that what happened to Padme after he last saw her. But once he gets the answers, it feels like he's just done. And even the emperor's like, "Did you get what you needed?" And he's like, "Yes, master." Yeah, the, I'm uh, like, okay. Well, what what does this mean for him? What did it did it accomplish? You know, what did it accomplish for him? Yeah, and I mean, he killed some handmaidens. <laughs> he killed I mean, Rico Lee. So, oh, now I know. Now I know what happened. Uh, well, you know, how does this change it? But I will say real quick, this does end with saying to be continued. It does, it does. And the series does continue. This is just the first trade paperback. But to your this last page here, so I guess spoilers here as we kind of get towards the end of it, but he's talking back and forth. He's like, um, Did, have, you, have you settled your business? Yes, master. Really? <clears throat> really? I'm t- <clears throat> I got to do the, the emperor warm-up. Yes. <clears throat> yes. <clears throat> Soon the rebellion will be crushed and young Skywalker will be one of us. <laughs> there we go. <clears throat> now I'm ready. I'm good. I've done the work. But um, the, he, the, the uh, Emperor actually quotes, The Sith know that fear leads to anger and anger leads to hate and hate leads to strength. 
But you, my friend, have just wallowed in grief. And now and you need to start all over again uh, with fear. And, you know, he ignites the, the lightning. It's like in a torture right. vader. But... Um, to be continued. I, I, you know, I think the real point of it was was the part where, spoiler, 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 skip ahead like uh, a minute. Seriously, if you're going to read this comic, but uh, where Vader uh, kills the droid sidekick because he witnesses the hologram. The the droid is there when the hologram of Padme saying there's good in him, and the droid witnesses it. And Vader, it's like Vader knows that there's good in him, and he hasn't beaten it back completely. So he has to kill the droid so nobody knows his secret that he's not completely Sith. And and that was probably, granted that was one side at the last. I wish we had more of that, but it's a solid start. I'm intrigued. I'm definitely going to keep following the series, um, uh, which is more than I can say for the Poe Dameron one. I have I have two series that I have picked up but have not continued. Not because I hated them, but I just haven't made time. They didn't like grab me immediately. And that was the Doctor Aphra series and the Poe Dameron series. And and maybe I'll continue those as we get more bandwidth. But they keep freaking releasing more comics that I keep wanting to buy, like Vader and uh, it's this it's this whole thing. It's this whole thing. You just solved my problem. What did I do? <laughs> I have a $100 gift card from work because I celebrated 10 years, and I thought, what am I going to use it on? I'm going to buy comics with it. Dude, come on. I have. Listen, I will hit me up, text me. I'll, I'll give you my greatest hits. There's definitely okay. better ones and worse ones. I'm sure there are. I haven't come across any that I absolutely hated, although the new Star Wars line, get everything from the Star Wars line, the main Star Wars line that you haven't read already. Uh, and the new trade paperback for the post-Empire one. Pretty freaking cool. Pretty freaking cool. All right, guys, that is going to wrap up this episode of the Star Wars Report podcast. That's right, Chewbacca. Um, hey, guys, thanks for tuning in live. Uh, Adam, wow, uh, Star Wars Sky, Xavier, it's all kinds of people. Um, in the chat thanks for uh, uh tuning in if you're listening to the podcast and you want to join us live uh just go to starwarsreport.com slash echo base uh starwarsreport.com slash echo base that'll link right to my youtube channel uh, where you can join live as we talk all things star wars uh you can also uh follow us in between shows on social media it's at star wars report uh, you can email us, starwarsreport at gmail.com. If you're listening to us on the Apple Podcasts app, I encourage you to leave us a rating and review. Help get the word out about the show. Uh, and uh, if you are so interested and want to support the show directly, I encourage you to check out patreon.com slash starwarsreport. And uh, that's where you can get our uh, weekly rogue transmissions. We're talking all things Star Wars and the future guests that we're trying to book and some shop talk. In this week's Rogue Transmissions, it was a good time. You can check it out at patreon.com slash Report, and you can see uh, our three different tiers. We got just the Tip Jar Jar. I might be most proud of that uh, <laughs> that title, the Tip Jar Jar, for a buck a month. You can, uh, for five bucks a month, that's the Rogue Transmissions bonus content. And you can also join the Bothan High Council uh, for our monthly Skype hangouts um, at the, well, Bothan High Council level. So check them out, patreon.com slash Report. Um, and Mr. Bruce Gibson, tell the people where they can find you online. 
Ooh, I'm on Twitter, but not all the time. <laughs> but yeah. I'm on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex on Instagram at just Admiral Rex. And of course, we mentioned earlier, I do a Star Trek podcast called Positively Trek. Nice. Nice. I love it. Check it out. Positively Trek, wherever you download podcasts. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to the show, to the Star Wars Report, and if you like Disney things, you can check out the Mouse and Castle podcast. Uh, have a good time there. Uh, talking all things Disney with my buddy Aaron Goins. You can follow me on social media. It's at the Riley Guy, R I L E Y, the Riley Guy, on Twitter and Instagram. That's usually the best uh, best way to stay in touch. Um, until next time, everybody. Thanks for tuning into the Star Wars Report. And all I got to say is, may the Force be with you. And remember, many Bothans died to bring you this podcast. And that's the show, folks. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week on the Star Wars Report. <laughs>